Ho, 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 ho! It's the Christmas podcast! Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Combustion. Why Do We Need, Patrick, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Newton, Transplanting. Christmas, Nick. Welcome to the Science Shed, everyone. Welcome, Nick. Welcome, everybody. How are you today, Stephen? I'm full of glad tidings. Me too. Yes. Ho, I, ho, ho. I, oh, like, another year comes round. You know, it's, the, it's our third Christmas special now. We've Is done it this really? for three years. Blooming. Yeah. yeah. I ha- cannot believe well, it. Do, do, you get, do you get into the spirit of Christmas, Nick? Do you yeah. enjoy Christmas? A little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Not so much as I used to. I bloody love it. I've already played Santa once this year. Have you? Yeah, Amdram performance. Did you really? I do it at my friends. They've all got children. I do a children's party Christmas right. Santa. And you do the kind of classic I do red the classic, and white. ring the bell, walk right. in fat belly, ho, 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 ho. You've been good children. Yeah. I can't hear you. I still can't hear you. <laughs> and then I make some vaguely smutty comments about everyone's wives. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to cater for everybody, haven't you? Anyway, so yeah. that's it. Well, that's I'm sure I'm sure classic. you'll be invited back year on year. Anyway, Steve, I've got something here for us because it's Christmas. Yeah, what we got? Can you see what I've got? So, um, you can hear this. Maybe you can hear like some chinking going on. Yeah, um, we've got a Christmas so drink. I'm just preparing. I've got two cups of ice. I've got a um, strange-looking yellow liquid <laughs> made with eggs. Have you had this before, Steve? I've never had Advocar. Never had Advocar. We're going to have a snowball. We're having a snowball. So I'm just going to. I'm going to decant. So for those of you that don't know what a snowball is, avocados are kind of weird custody booze. um, (laughs) That Nick's. I think that's a lot, Nick. Is it? Well, it's Christmas, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, fine. It's Um, Christmas. Yeah, it's something like. Just think of it as being like wine. Okay, it's uh, avocado. No, and just it's avocado and lemon uh, lemonade, isn't it? A a snowball. Oh my goodness! So here we are. We're in the shed, Steve. We're ready for Christmas. So, um, yeah, how's things? Is is uh, what, how's Christmas being right. shaping up in the cheers. house? Oh, sorry, got a cheers. Apologies. Here we go. Here we go. All right, hey. Hey. hey, cheers, Nick. Oh, that's horrible. It's quite nice. I think oh. that's delicious. You like that one, huh? I like it. Yeah, it's like oh. it's kind of. It's sour. I thought it was going to be sweeter. It's got a bit of a zing about it, hasn't it? Yeah, d- totally. Mm. Um, it's a bit yeah. like a sherbet. Yeah, it's that, that's exactly what it tastes like. Yeah, lemon sherbet. Mm. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, so Christmas in the lab. Yeah, we are just kind of... We had our Christmas do uh, yesterday in the lab. What um, went on? Nothing really. We just went out for dinner. Did you? What did you have? Uh, we had steak. Oh, very traditional. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, but but the, actually, the way we did it was quite democratic. Everyone voted. And there's like all of the choices on what? and on what they wanted. Did you have to have the same thing? Yeah, we had the same oh, thing. Oh, no. Yeah, but it's been you know, everyone gets to vote. Um, but yeah, it was good. Everyone, the, do you know, any vegetarian? Do you know my lab, yeah, they get there's a vegetarian option. Vegetarian steak? No, I don't know what they got. <laughs> um, my lab bought me. They bought me some presents, which was nice. Of them. Didn't really? Have to do that? Yeah, they bought me a bottle of whiskey, which is nice. Lovely. And then, and then they bought me a book on coding of famous computer games. And right. then the other thing they did, which was really nice of them, is they got coding they got, of. Hang on a minute, coding of famous computer games. Yeah. Like what? So like I don't know, like Snake, Elite, and, yeah, those kind of things. Really? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Must be quite hard. Take a long time. To no, there's it. only like 600 lines of code. What? For yeah, for like if you can pro- like you can program Pac-Man in like 600 lines of code. Can you really? Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it gives you the source code. So you could write. You can sit there and type write it in Pac-Man if you want. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, and uh, they bought me 
they made me a Christmas ornament. But they, what they did is they took an old tube amplifier, right. like from like the seventies pre transistor right. that they found in the box in the back of the lab somewhere. Yeah. And then they they soldered on the top of it a little thing. So now you can you can hang it from the Christmas tree as a little Christmas sciencey bauble. That's lovely. It's beautiful. It's a lovely, it's really thoughtful present. I thought so. Um, which is very nice of them. Um, very good. Yeah, so so what I thought I'd top that off with is so I'd come down to Salisbury, meet Do a you, podcast. have then talk about some science. Nick, it's been too long since the podcast. It has, hasn't it? It really has. But but what's going to happen soon? Oh, well, <laughs> for all of the all of the uh, the shedlings out there, we're um we've been in the top secret uh, science shed development kitchen, haven't we, Nick? Developing we the, the third season of the podcast. The this, third season. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, which we've actually all recorded. Nick's just mixing up his snowball now. Um, uh, and we've got a bit of a change, haven't we? We've got, we've got somebody else in the shed. We have. And that person is Eleanor, of course. Yep, Eleanor's a postdoc. Um, she's a biochemist. She's been bridge. doing a fantastic job, hasn't she, Steve? She's been doing an amazing job. She's been job. mixing up the podcast. She's been editing them. She's been helping moderating us, us you know. Um, and But she's going to be helping us in the, in the podcast to come. So for all those people that are listening... Uh, that what we're going to do this time round is release the podcast. Like I think we're going to do once a week, once every two weeks, um, but in a big block, so everyone can kind of get us all of their science shed in the early part of the year. Um, all and they should be quite regular because we've been a bit lapsed at that. They'll be plugging into your podcast hole rather shortly, <laughs> so watch out for them. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's go back to the old style of the podcast. None of this silly science vinyl stuff. Let's go back to our roots, the core. The, the bit of just just dicking about with science and enjoy our science. snowballs indeed cheers bring hey. it hey. Okay, Steve. So, science. What's going science? on in the world of science, Steve? Right. So, it's it's Christmas, Nick. <laughs> We've been another t- another another time round the sun. Right. I've got. I've. I want to talk to you about something. You know, you find stuff in life sometimes. You're like, how did I not know this? Right. Mm. And I might tell you this, and you might. You'll probably know it because you're smarter than I am. And and I, I just cannot believe I got to my age and not understood about this. Right. So, um, I want to talk to you about the Gregorian calendar because we've been round the sun. Right. <laughs> do you know about? Do you know about the Gregorian calendar? Do you know what predated the Gregorian calendar? The Franciscan calendar and, and the Ju- and the Julian calendar, which is the, the, the best one before that. I was just joking about the. I was guessing with the Franciscan. No, there was, was from there? Franciscan monks. It didn't work very well. But so it was the Julian calendar from ancient Rome. Was there ever a Trappist calendar? Not that I'm aware You're of. I haven't done too much. It. <laughs> so um yeah the, so the the julian calendar was um uh, about since ancient rome yeah. and the idea we you know why do we have calendars well, what we're trying to do here is correlate our time taken to go around the sun right. with our days i.e. The, the the time taken for the earth to rotate yeah of course and so you the, need everything to fit evenly don't you indeed so it doesn't swap so so how many how many days are there in it in a year what, you really want me to say? Well, there's 365 and a quarter. Well, more or less. Let's, let's take that. Okay, so, so the Julian calendar in, introduced in ancient Rome did Are exactly Are we talking that. about the sidereal day? Or the... No, this, I'll, I'll get to this. It's really interesting. So 
Um, oh, God. I've so, never understood any of this stuff. Okay, so... What the hell does it all mean? So, obviously, what we really want to know, we don't really care about... The, the reason we have the calendar is we want to kind of correlate the number of days with the seasons, right? We need to know that at what point uh, is, it, is, it, is it spring and summer and autumn and winter, right? Yeah. And what we found is, so the, the Julian calendar had a leap year that introduced a leap day every one and every four years, right? Julians. The Julians did this. Ancient Rome, right? Good on And then what Julius they found... Caesar is that actually it's not exactly 200, 365 days and a quarter to go around. It? It's slightly, slightly, that slightly overcorrects, right? Really? So, so this is the thing that was happening. So every year, there was every time they had a leap year, it kept slightly overcorrecting. And so in, uh, what happened in, in 1584, the vernal equinox didn't occur on the 21st of March, when it should do, mm. you know. It occurred on the 10th. Right? Oh, it'd gone way out. It'd gone way, way out. out. But that was like 1500, you know, that's from the ancient Romans, right? So yeah, it's a yeah, long yeah. time, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, so Pope, Pope Gregory, hence the Gregorian calendar, gets these Jesuit priests involved and says, yeah. look, guys, we've got to sort this shit out because we have to correlate, you know, Easter, where the moon is and all that kind of stuff. I want you to go away and find a better calendar. And we use this today, Nick, and I had no idea about this. And they go away and they figure this out, right? So 365 and a quarter days in a year. Yeah. That overcorrects. Right. So what the Gregorian calendar has is it says, well, how many times do we have to... So, so first off, before I tell you how this works, they had to just delete 11 days, right? Yeah, well, so yeah, they had you to, they just had to correct it. You just so, say, okay. So, so in October 1584, they just lost 10 days. Well, they just have to... Wouldn't they have to add them? No. To get from the 10th to the 21st, yeah. they'd have to whack them on, yeah. wouldn't they? So, so you lose them. Yeah. You jump forward in time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So imagine if you had to pay your rent. Suddenly you'd have to be like, why am I paying a whole month's rent? It'd be well, cheaper, I... wouldn't it? It'd be a cheaper month, wouldn't it? <laughs> that's true. Because well, you get to the 10th, sure sure and the land suddenly be on the 21st, you're like, hey! You've got to pay your rent again. Oh, yeah, you pay it more quickly. But then you get paid <laughs> you <do>. more quickly, too. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, so, that, so they had to recorrect. So that was the first thing, to realign the, you know, the equinoxes, the shortest days, with, uh, to be able to correlate the position that we are around the sun but with the seasons, right? Then, they, then this is what's really cool. So they say, okay, because it's overcorrecting, how many years do we have to then wait before we don't have a leap year every fourth year? Right, in order to uh, in order to put that back, that that overcorrection that occurred uh, with the Julian calendar. Well, it's one in every hundred years. So, so I don't get it. Yeah. So you've got so the three three hundred sixty five and a quarter. Yeah. You're going a bit too far. Yeah. So each year you're kind of knocking. Back no, no, a bit no. Three hundred sixty five and a quarter with a leap day every four years takes too much off. Right, right. Okay. So what you have to do is every so the leap every, day you'd have to sort of get rid to, of. You have to forget. Yeah, you do. Right. One in every hundred years. Do you know this? I, well, didn't, it, I think I did know this because right. there was no leap year in the year 2000, was ah, there? But, but why not? It's divisible by 100. So, so there should have been a leap year. In the year, so there shouldn't have been a leap year in the really, year and there was a leap year. Yeah, really. So, so when you do this one in every, this is so brilliant, right? So you do one in every hundred years. That now overcorrects the undercorrection, oh, and so what you have to do is crazy. what. So one in every 400 years, right? There is not. There is a leap year when you'd expect there not to be. Uh, because of the hundred-year rule, and that's what happened in the year 2000. in the year two thousand. So only astronomers it was know the this. The first millennia for like four hundred years. That exactly. So not. it's a one in. It's an incredibly special leap year. So for every for all intents and purposes, there should have been a, uh, there should have not been a leap day in the year two thousand. There shouldn't have not been a 29th of February. But, but because two thousand is divisible <laughs> by four hundred, there was a leap day. Wait a minute. Isn't that cool? Did it's you know that? Crazy. Did you know that? Do you want to know something funny about leap days? Go on in. So my friends call it the lost day. I'm not involved in this little tradition, right. but two of my friends, every leap year, they call it a lost day, 29th of February, yeah. and they do something. They're going, just They're going to Berlin next year, They're just, just going. for the day. Just, <laughs> just going to go to Berlin for the day and wander around, yeah. having a look at stuff. It's a day they wouldn't have had. 
It's an extra day. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Well, except every, it's not real. Except every hundred years oh, when yeah. it's not, except every 400 years when it is. Oh, Steve. Gone in. Sad Christmas news. Oh, no. Yeah, David Bellamy died. Yeah, I saw that. Do you remember David Bellamy? I, do you know what? It's just on the periphery of me remembering it. Like, I do remember him being on TV, but it was at the time when there was a bit of, there's a bit of rivalry between Attenborough, and then Attenborough just strode out in front and took the lead. And like, you know, there was no, there was never a debate now. There's no debate now. But at the time, he was kind of a rival. He was a contemporary. Was he? I, I think so. I thought of him being the rival. I thought of him being a compliment. Right. He complimented yeah. Attenborough. I th- but, but I remember he's a naturalist for anyone that doesn't know. He's a, yeah, yeah, I mean, for the younger listeners, he yeah. was a naturalist. He's mainly famous because Lenny Henry used to do an impression naked? of him. Do you remember Lenny Henry's <laughs> no, impression? I'm not going to play it now. You can have a look at it. Yeah. But he, Lenny Henry would put on a ginger beard and just go around going... <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, it's quite sad he died because... Um, he he was a like I'll just play a little bit of footage of him now maybe and you yeah. can get a sense of the man and what he was about. Mature forest of gigantic trees and shrubs, Mendocino cypress with its distinct smell and round cone. Everything so big and luscious, manzanita and ericaceous shrub, and another even bigger, a rhododendron. Aren't they doing well? Huckleberry. A real fat special. Anyway, so you get the idea. There's some quite poor jokes. But anyway, he was a really good guy. But the sad thing about Bellamy is he went off our screens. He sort of disappeared. So in the late 80s. In the same way that that, that Attenborough took off, he kind of died away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was a bit... I wonder um, why. Well... There are, I mean, he became a climate change denier. Did he really? Global warming denier. Yeah, yeah, quite rabidly, global warming. Wow. So here's some, ex- here's an illustration of, so, so he was on, this is him appearing um, several years ago now in 2009. Anyway, so I don't want to play too much more of that. But the thing is, I thought, I was I was thinking about David Bellamy and the fact he was a climate change Can kind I say, of denier I really, skeptic. I really enjoy the fact of you just being sat at home in an evening thinking about David Bellamy. <laughs> just having that <laughs> <laughs> cup of tea, little speech bubble comes out of your head. But he was a top guy, and like so, I thought, well, actually, right? Because I don't, yeah. you know, we all just take the the climate change thing at face value. Are we going to do climate we? change? No, well, I'm just going to just <laughs> delve into it slightly. Okay, okay so. David Bellamy, I respected him a lot, yep. right? I realised... I said, because of your respect for him, you gave thought, him the... I thought, well, the, we're maybe the, giving the, the, the benefit the of the doubt. doubt. Right, okay. I mean, sense. I did watch a couple of interviews and I realised, oh, I can see why they didn't. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's he's disjointed. He's just a bit... He's all over the shop, his, basically. His, his logic wasn't He's sound. eccentric and not very logical, yeah. Right. It's he hard, was also it's chairman to... of the British Homeopathic Society mm, as well. Okay, that's hard, <laughs> so, that's hard to... So there was a couple of nails in the old Bellamy coffin already. Anyway, but I had a bit of a delve. I went to some... Into climate of, change or into the... Into, well, I just thought, okay, Bellamy. Steve, because yeah. I couldn't. Someone asked me, you know, yeah. what is the evidence for climate change? Do you know what the evidence for climate change is? Well, there's lots, but basically the correlate between the CO2 and the atmosphere and the temperature is the, is one of the biggest. Uh, so do we know the atmosphere is warming? We, well, we know that, that, we know that the, concentration, the concentration of CO2 seems to track the average global temperature. Um, and... Um, and so, so whether it's cause or effect is a separate debate, but 
Um, yeah, so, so if you measure CO2, you should be able to predict average, average global temperature. And that seems to correlate. I think that's the biggest. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i not a climate scientist. No, exactly. Say, like, yeah. But we all take it at face value, don't we? And we don't it's know. True. Like, we've never been to the moon. No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to the moon? And on Twitter, there's a couple of people who are kind of like, there's there's one of the local councillors in in um, in Salisbury. Yeah. And I try not to look at Twitter anymore because it just makes me a bit sad and angry and frustrated. <laughs> I, I can so see I try that. not to look at it. But she's a climate change skeptic. She's always posting all kinds of things to right. kind of like to rile me. Anyway, so I did a bit of a digging around, and there's actually quite a lot of quite per- persuasive evidence about climate, climate change is real. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think given that the 97 percent of all climate scientists agree. You know that, that, that yeah. That, although that, that there's a bit of debate with that figure. It's probably okay. more like the high eighties, but yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Right, right, right. Anyway, but the, the broad consensus is it's happening. So there's global surface temperatures to start with. Right. That data is actually not that strong. So that's the, so, so that's just like the Met Office with a thermometer. In it's London. a bunch of weather stations yeah. all around okay, the world. Fine. We've got records going back a certain certain amount of time. Yeah, it's it's definitely warmer than it used to be, but it's not the evidence from that point of view wasn't that strong. Yeah. Another thing is that there are satellites flying around in some of the layers of the atmosphere. Yeah. And basically, the hypothesis goes that if you've got more CO two in the atmos- atmosphere, less heat is radiated into space. More of it is trapped. Uh, yep, it's actually the vibrational uh, mode of CO2. It's called the the um, uh, 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 new2 is the vibration. Of that's frequency. fascinating. Maybe you can do a piece on that later on. Wave numbers. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, so basically, what's going on is that those satellites are measuring a decrease in temperature in parts of the atmosphere where you'd expect there to be a decrease if more heat was being trapped. Okay. So basically, that's another reason so there's lots of confirmatory things if you make the hypothesis that there's a greenhouse effect going on it should be all should these be the same everywhere happening. in the world and yeah and yeah you should be able to measure it you know, and it all fits at the sea in the middle of in the <clears throat> middle of the pacific as well as the middle of london right and there's pretty convincing data from melting ice as well glaciers and things like that although there's a lot of smoke screens getting thrown around by that but if you look at the data in its entirety it looks pretty strong. So basically, there's like about, in short, you can, there's a, there's a, I watched a couple of sort of videos about it. Yeah. But there's about eight or nine Metrics. sort of different pieces of evidence, all of which agree. I confirm the hypothesis that human CO2 added to the atmosphere is causing a, a great increase right. in greenhouse effect. So if you're a betting man, you would agree with the consent, the scientific consensus. Yeah. So I pitted David Bellamy about against that and looked back at some of his interviews. Yeah. And I came to the conclusion He's an eccentric old batshit man. <laughs> and that's probably the reason why he's not on the BBC anymore. Oh, I went a bit mad. <laughs> I uh. think he's a little bit... It's not just that he's a climate change denier. He's also probably very difficult. Right. And he's not... Do you know what I mean? He's impossible to... To work with. And that sort of thing. And organize, yeah. Whereas, whereas, whereas uh, David Asper, you can pop on an iceberg, fly a helicopter around him and, fit, fit, he, it, and film him going... Well, he's the know. other way. He's crazy what he says. He's like, oh, look at this poor little sad penguin. <laughs> 20 years ago, it would have been skipping joyfully over the ice to eat its fish. And now look at it stranded on I this piece of melting ice. I will not hear a bad ice. word said against that man. <laughs> He's way over the top, Attenborough is. Anyway, look, re- rewind. I've okay. got one more thing to say okay. about David Bellamy. David Bellamy published a nature paper. Did you really? Yeah, published oh, a nature so paper. Cool. What year? 1967. Oh, that's a long time ago. He yeah. must have been quite a young man then. He, well, I'm not. So he was born in the year 1933. So in 67, he was in his mid-30s. He was probably not much younger than you. But he published an H paper and it was a, there was an oil spill basically off the coast of, um, I think it was, uh, I don't know much I think about it was him. Cornwall. Was he, what did he do before he got into TV? 
Has he always been like a broadcaster, or is that well, he was been... no? He was a teacher and he was a biology, he was a lecturer in biology. Ah. So he was a proper jobbing scientist. I did not know that. Chelsea College of Science and, and Technology. He wasn't really a, you know, he wasn't at Cambridge, but he was a proper professional. Yeah, bot- yeah, yeah. He was a botanist, Nick, basically. Nick, being but anyway, Cambridge, he published there, a there paper. There are real scientists that don't go to Cambridge, you know. <laughs> he published a, um, but you Nature don't care paper. about them, do you? <laughs> but he, publi- he published a paper on, yeah. the oil, there was an oil spill, so there was a, it was told that there was a boat, big boat called the um, Torrey Canyon, yeah. and it spilled a load of uh, oil all over the shores, and he did sort of a, a survey, basically, his okay. team sort of analysed the shore life, the botany, the shore life, yeah. and sort of showed that there was a big change in the ecosystems. Anyway, so he's a, you know, he's a very well-respected scientist. You know, I still love him, despite the fact he went a bit mental in his old age. Who doesn't? Everyone That's goes true. a bit mental. Yeah, Bob um, Dylan's not very good now, but he was brilliant before. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't, but it doesn't take it away from blood <laughs> on tracks, right? It doesn't take it away. He still made that. You know? So I think he's a life well lived, and I, I think he was a great guy. And he inspired me actually with those spy books and things like that. You know, I became I'm, yeah. I was a member of the YOC. I was into nature. Probably he was part. I think of you that. still are into nature. You're considering you're a biologist. I've got my binoculars service getting serviced. Yeah, you're the wearing university. a turkey hat as we speak. I am. I'm wearing a Christmas turkey hat. I've got one more thing to say about David Bellamy. Okay. So I looked in the um, the uh, the uh, paper that he published. So yeah. I had a look at the paper. Yeah. And. As I was reading the paper, I noticed because you know in in the, the 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 scientific journal Nature, I'm aware of that. So for all of the listeners out there who may may not know, but their papers, papers some of them are published as letters. Yeah, so it's almost like a letter to the editor with a couple of diagrams whacked in. So yeah. maybe like a page and a half long, something like that. And that was particularly true in olden times. Yeah. Oh, oh, the 1960s. Well, they used and to be too, even up until the 90s. But they used actually. to be the way. I mean, you couldn't just post something on Twitter, right? So a letter to the editor was a way to kind of qu- quickly communicate a, an important finding. Hmm. You know, as opposed to a big study that might be 20 pages long, a letter can be short and say, "Look, I found this. It's really exciting. Everyone should know about this." Anyway, the immediate the paper that immediately follows David Bellamy's paper in the edition of Nature in, the edition. in the 67. So if, you, right. if you sort of finish off reading Bellamy's letter, yeah. What's the next halfway one? on the next page, it's called "Effect of Humming on Vision" <laughs> by W. A. H. Rushton. Amazing. <laughs> and it starts off, and I'll just read the first paragraph. It might get a little bit. This is what I'll I love and, about science. I'll try it, and paraphrase. You, yeah. Okay. Uh, he says. Uh, the uh, the correct speed of a gramophone turntable will be checked by viewing a strobe disc illuminated by electric light supplied by the AC mains. <laughs> Did you know this? What's that? So you can actually buy tools, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, a, uh, a, a a thing that makes uh, that you put on the record that if it's spun at the right thing, your vision makes it appear that it's standing still. Exactly. So yeah. it's, it's a little disc you put yeah. on. It's flashes it's got, like little light. little lines on the side. And, and if, if it's, it's thirty three and a third. It will remain stationary. Exactly. And if, if it's, it's a bit slower, fast, it's, if yes. it's a bit quicker, it goes a bit quicker. And if it's slower, it's a bit So that's slower. how they tune um, discs, so record discs. Right. So, you know, when the, and then he continues. So he explains that. And he says, when the disc is viewed in non-fluctuating light, for yes. example, daylight, no strobe pattern is seen. But the observer may produce it by humming loudly. Ah. So the note... But surely, be, exactly, the, note, yeah, the frequency the, that you the hum. Note, the yeah, note to okay. be hummed for a stationary pattern is... Um, uh, base A flat. Okay. So, so it's fine if you've got perfect per, pitch. A hundred cycles per second. Which is so the fifty hertz. It's a frequent. It's a multiple of the fifty hertz of the AC. Of, um, Something current. like that. Yeah. yeah. That's why. If the note hummed is flat, the pattern rotates clockwise. If sharp, counterclockwise. Amazing. <laughs> so you can, and they you think can it's tune. to do with the vibration of your eyeballs. 
And no one, to this day, no one really knows how it happens. But other people have noticed this happening. When they're Please wa- tell when they're me watching you've got the one t- of these so we can try this out. When they're watching the TV, yeah. you can eat like celery yeah. or pick your teeth with a toothpick. Yeah. And this is probably old-fashioned TVs. Yeah. But you would see stroboscopic patterns on your TV screen because of the cycle, number of cycles per second. Sometimes you can get it. If, you've, if anyone's got an um, electric toothbrush, if you've an electric toothbrush and put it in your mouth, you can, you can vibrate your eyes yeah, yeah, yeah. at a similar frequency and you can see some things kind cool. of stroking. We should try and recreate that. Mm, we we get back to the listeners. I've not, tried, I've not actually tried it. Because I don't. Well, um, I'm glad that you're so interested in David Mellaby. Maybe we can have a crack after we polish off this rum (laughs) spiked avocado special. (laughs) There you go. That's how David Bellamy gets you pissed. (laughs) Nick, Mm. got a good story. You know, like a story. You know this psychom malarkey we're doing. It's just I hate the I hate the term psychom. What, you just, what, what would you prefer? Public engagement? Chatting about science. Chatting about science. All right. Yeah. You know this chatting about science stuff we do? Yeah, I like it. Um, do you think it actually helps any real science be done? No. I've got a story where it does. Okay. You want to hear it? Yeah. It's a really good story. Get me wrong. So um, it's a problem about mathematics. Right. right? Okay. So I'm going to tell you that it's a really, this is a great story, right? So yeah. If, if, how would you describe to most people that aren't in academia? You must have run into a mathematician. How would you describe the kind of average, ma- you know, academic mathematician? Um, well, I, my my prejudice would be that they're sort of weird, but <laughs> I know I know I know three yeah. mathematicians, and they're all pretty they're normal. normal yeah. Okay, one of them is very rude and sort of a rude type character. Yeah, I know. I know. I know four. Yeah, four. they all seem fine. Right. They're all fine. They're fine. Okay, so I don't, I don't think. There's... I think sometimes they see themselves, and I can. Kind of, I quite like this about math, math in mathematics in general is that they kind of see themselves as these kind of explorers, like finding, you know, like kind of finding, ascribing value to numbers and problems, right? They kind of discover things that no one else has seen before, just like we discover things in science. But they, but it's they don't have to build a rocket to go into space or a microscope to look yeah, down. I they never can just... really understand it. To be right. Perfectly okay. Honest. So I've got something you can understand. It's really cool. So there's a there's a <laughs> famous sure. there's a famous problem that the paper published in the fifties, right? Right. Um, it's called the 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 sums of three cubes problem. Right? Right. And the idea is very simple, is that, uh, that here's the hypothesis, the conjecture, that, that hasn't been proved yet, but this is the idea, that any number can be made by adding and so- or subtracting the sums of three cubes. Right. So the, I'll give you an example of what I mean. So 11, for instance, number 11 hmm. can be made by 3 cubed, which is 27, yeah. minus 2 cubed, which is 8, minus 2 cubed, which is 8. So 27 minus 8 minus 8, 11. Right. So, so you take three cubes and you can work out any number. So right. three cubed minus two cubed minus two cubed. Exactly. Okay. Right. Or 21, if you like, is a bit harder. You can't necessarily do this in your head, but 16 cubed minus 14 cubed minus 11 cubed okay. is, is 14. Yeah, yeah. It's, sorry, it's 21. I mean, this seems very pointless and academic. Oh, no, it's great. It's great. It's great. Okay. So there's this, there's this conjecture in mathematics and in this original paper that every single number can be expressed as a sum of three cubes. So that's the that's, that's your the idea. proposition. The, that's so the you proposition. have to prove it somehow. Yeah. So in there's, some fancy There's way. people trying to prove it, right? And at the moment, there's no one's proven that you... Like, from a priori, without kind of, like, you know... So someone, do you, to prove it, do you have to find a number that isn't or can't well, be done by... So I, so this is what gets really interesting. So um, ma- so mathematicians then, you know, they, 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 so if every single number can be expressed as an interest sum of three cubes... Are there any exceptions, right? Mm. Well, the exception, so if you think like the easiest one to think about, maybe three. Three is one cube plus one cube plus one cube, yeah. right? 
Um, now, actually, as it turns out, which I'm not going to talk about, they there is a proof. Hang on a minute. But then one cubed, you could do definitely do any number. So because you could just have oh, you have got to have three. Yes, three. You've got to have oh, three. Right. Okay. right. So um, what a stupid. So, so what? No, no, no. Come here. It gets better, right? <laughs> so there are three. What they have proven. What they have proven is there are there are numbers they know they that it will not work for. Right? Oh well, it doesn't. There's a, there's only right. false. Well, it's a proof by by opposition. So they know that thirteen and fourteen, you can't do it. Well, like, well, this, make, this is ridiculous. Why has it been unsolved since the 1950s then? No. Because you know it's not bloody true. No, okay. But there's a specific <laughs> reasons for those for those numbers, right? Four, you can't do it. 13 and 14. And 22 and 23, right? But well, every, check it ev- out. Every other number. Oh, uh, my no... God. So you say, oh, well, actually, it's any number apart from okay. three, four, no, no, no. 22, the... 30, 14, 13. <laughs> so in the next one, 95. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right. But the way they've been doing it is they've basically been doing it as you you suggested. Is they've been picking off numbers. So they're going. How do you do yeah. 152? So it's an iterative. Right? And there's computers and algorithms that are kind of yeah, number yeah. crunching. Right. So anyway, up until about a year ago, right, there were three numbers under a hundred that no one could solve. That that haven't been. That aren't these kind of. Uh, weird case ones, right? What do you mean you can't solve? Them? They couldn't. They could. So they can do every number from one to hundred, apart from these weird ones, Why which we're not going to talk that? about, right? Well, this. Listen to my point, right? Number thirty-three, number forty-two, and number seventy-four, right? right? So they seemingly uncorrelated numbers, right? But for some reason, you know, computation hasn't allowed us to be able to find. So there may be a, a thing, but we can't say for definite because it may be like. 1,500,000 cubed minus 2,500,000 cubed. It's, it's even better than that, right? <laughs> so there's a, there's, a, there's a YouTube channel, I don't know if you know, called Numberphile, um, which is a guy called... Numberphile. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a YouTube channel about like maths. But they, they also thing. did one about chemistry. It's for the people who never use have deodorant. You, have, you seen, have you seen the, <laughs> the elemental videos that on, on YouTube where they... <laughs> You have. You're such a liar. Anyway, I'm not, same, I'd, what? I'm not, I don't know the so elemental so, so bloody video. There's a, there's a professor in Nottingham called Martin Polyakov, who's the Foreign Secretary for the Royal Society. He's like got massive hair. And there's a series of videos on YouTube where they did one video for every element, right? And they're quite popular. Oh, right. Um, anyway, it's the same person does this, does this channel now called Numberphile. So Numberphile yeah, wrote, made, made a video called The Uncracked Problem of 33, oh, right? Yeah. Right, and that's one of these numbers, right? 33, right. 42, 74, right? right? Um, and so they pushed it out and they said, oh, look, we don't, we don't know why we haven't been able to solve these ones. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, a budding amateur mathematician, right. a guy called um, uh, Sander Hoosman, wrote back to Numberphile and gone, do you know what? I've cracked number 74. He found it. No, he He's gone away. Guess how long the digits are for, do you, have to, you need for 74 to what, be able to do it. The number that you're cubing. Yeah. I don't know, maybe four? 15 digits long, they all are. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's like one times 10 to the 15, one point. So yeah. it's like Matt, very big numbers. So you go way, 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 really, way. really and come high. All and all the way back, back to, to, to 33, <laughs> right? So anyway, they... So, How did he do it? So he he did it so just he, on a computer, right? He just tweaked just an, algor- an algorithm a little bit. Anyway, so they were like, brilliant. They made another video, like Psycon people made another video. Like, we cracked number 33. It had fallen out. Right? 74, you Sorry. Um, so this was 74, yeah. Yep. Um, and what's good about this, we're talking about them being explorers, right? You know, if you take that number, that 15-digit number, and you put it into Wolfram Alpha or any kind of calculator thing, it comes out the cube root is 74. And, like, the day before they found it, that number was always there, and you might just go past it in a list of numbers, a 15-digit number, but that was magic. That was special in some way, and he found it, right? So they put this number out, right? 
Anyway, there's a, now there's a, there's a second, a proper mathematician, as in a professional one, a gentleman called Andrew Brooker, who works at the University of Bristol, mathematician, right. said, all right, 74's been cracked. He got a wind of this video, says, right, I'm going to take a crack. He's got access to a massive supercomputer at the right. University of Bristol. He tweaks the algorithm a bit, changes some, so what they're called sieves, so how they, how they um, look for this. Used his supercomputer at Bristol. A few weeks later, out drops three numbers. He'd done 33. 33 had been done. That was 16 digits long. This has right. got to be the most boring <laughs> series of discoveries. Right. But the last one is number 42, the answer to the, the world. Of the universe. Exactly. What's That's the, the question, last Steve? One. The last one. What's the question? Have they right. done it? Well, so the they, they put out another video. Oh, Numberphile yeah. put out a, a, a second video saying we cracked, um, we'd cracked to 33, right? And now there's a, there's a company, uh, sorry, there's a charity... Um, called Charity Engine. It's one of these kind of charity computing companies that basically crowdsources everyone's computer when you're not using yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got this access to these even not bigger... for extraterrestrials. Exactly the same thing. But they, what they do in their case is they've got this big computational um, thing and then they uh, give charity, they give kind of gifts out to charity who need to do kind of large uh, computations. Anyway, they saw the, mo- they saw the video about um, Andrew, what's his name? Andrew Brooker and said, right, okay, we've, well, our, com- our, our computational power is way bigger than your supercomputer at the University of Bristol. So they said, all right, give us your algorithm. We'll run it on our fancy mega computer. Right, to right? see if we can get 42. Right. So three hours later, yeah. 42 equals minus 8053287388120759430 cubed plus 8043575814581715 cubed plus 12602123294335631 cubed equals 42 well, <laughs> so they tweaked 42 I mean, that's bloody <laughs> ridiculous you know what there's probably more than one solution to all of these right? nick you're way ahead you're so smart <laughs> so that, so so in the end of that video that they did one they said to andrew brooker what are you going to do? Like, where does this end? Right? You know? And he said, well, actually, mathematicians don't just think there's a solution to every number. Like uh, a cube, a cube, uh, a, a sum of three cubes. They actually think there's an infinite solution to all uh, numbers. So, so, so in the case of 11, we had those three numbers. But in fact, um, you can do it. Uh, you can, they, there's an infinite, way, infinite number, number of ways, ways to doing it. Because there's an infinite number of numbers. Exactly. Yeah. So now they're... Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I think they should just pack it in because what? Why is why is this worthy of any interest? I mean, is there any pattern or is there any grand so, underlying plan? So the idea, are we going to read right. the mind of God? The, the, well, the, the goal <laughs> basically is, is you know, are we learning anything? Just picking off higher and higher numbers, right? Um, but the point is, is that you know those numbers were there the whole time. That's why I like the idea, right? You know that that, that fifteen digit number I read out, right? Um, and. And, and 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 there was no it wasn't important and just because of this kind of interesting problem they've managed to that that number has importance now and you could have found it but you didn't <laughs> but Andrew did right um, and I don't know I like it, it's um but I could I could identify a piece of dust in the corner of my room you know like a piece of crap yeah I'm the only person ever to find this piece of dust yeah look at that but the point is you'd have to replicate that no one would deny that those three numbers cubed together is equal to 42 there's no, there's no you could replicate it anywhere else exactly. no one could find the same piece of the dust, dust exactly yeah. exactly so it's an so underlying I love, law of i love nature. The, the the numbers are lurking out there and to some people they find a gold nugget of, oh of history i can you know what <laughs> isn't it cool just leave it there <laughs>
don't have many traditions on the science shed, but Christmas gifts is one of them. Um, Christmas gifts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, normally, for the past couple of years, I've forgotten to get you one, haven't I? Just you never flat, bother, Just flat because... out, not done it. You're just a very cold, thoughtless individual. <laughs> I really am. Whereas at least you go to a charity shop and buy some terrible gifts for me for, for, for no more than £3. You've got no charity shop gifts this oh. time. They're all spanking brand new. All right. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I, I'm gonna, I'm cheers. Gonna give, yeah, cheers. Cheers my glass. It's good to have you here. Festive greetings to you. Yes, glad festive tidings. Festive greetings to our listeners. Mm. I hope you're having a very yeah, man, comfortable, man. warm... Um, whatever you're doing, yeah, if you're I, alone, if you're with family, if I hope you're, you're with pottering friends, about, maybe try maybe, and enjoy it. Maybe uh, doing the presents. Central mm. heating's on a bit too high, Ooh. you know, so you got a bit sweaty, you know. Yeah. Like that's what I kind of like. Maybe, maybe a glass of wine. Absolutely. I've got a friend who each Christmas he do, he likes to spend Christmas Day by himself. I did it last he year. It was wonderful. Own, did you? Yeah, me and the dog. It was great. Did you cook yourself Christmas yeah. dinner? With trimmings? Yeah. Sausages with bacon around? Yeah, of course. No, you didn't. I did. Did you? Yeah, I gave some to the dog. Whoa. It was great. So it was you and the dog. Did yeah. Did you put a little bow tie on it? Do you know what I did, though? Do you know table? what I did last year? It's like, I, I went to take the dog out for a wee on Christmas morning. Yes. Shut the dog behind me. Locked myself out. On Christmas, Christmas Day. Day? Christmas Day. Oh, Steve. Do you know, happened? I had to ring up Johnny. Johnny? Right? Johnny. who look, John, Johnny's my dog walker. Right. He comes in and looks after my dog when I'm at work sometimes. And he came like a like a, like a modern day like a hero from the night came cycling over from where he lives just across across London and just delivered to me at 10 o'clock in the morning on Christmas Day oh the keys to let me into my own flat. He must have been cursing your name. I don't know. What he, like, he, he earned his Christmas uh, bottle of wine. And Johnny, you <laughs> the man. Yeah, exactly. Well done for letting Stephen. I mean, you have locked yourself into a cupboard before, haven't you? <laughs> You've never locked yourself out of your flat. <laughs> <laughs> Should we bring that up again? No, that's really good. I'm glad you are. We won't go over old country. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to give you my Christmas gifts. Merry Christmas. Thank you, right. Steve. Here you go. Here's, here's a first Christmas gift from me to you, Nick. Okay. Are we going to alternate Christmas gifts? Well, up to you. We can do it how you want. Well, let's maybe, alternate. Maybe I... Okay. Let's, Here okay. you go. Let's have a look. For here's it. a okay. Christmas gift. So, let me just feel this. This feels booky. It's like a book. <laughs> Listeners, I think it's a book. It is a book, yeah. It's got a spine. It's wrapped... Steve's actually done a reasonable job I wrapping say as that. well. I wrapped it on the train. That looks like a feminine wrap. That looks like feminine wrapping. And look at the the wrapping paper. It's got little glitter on them. I can, I can tell you I did not buy the wrapping paper. It's high quality <laughs> wrapping paper. I'll be careful with it so you can use it again. Here Definitely go. not. Rip it. Rip it. Rip no, it. No, I'm going to be very careful. You just have to get the same size presents next year. <laughs> <clears throat> so we go. I'm sure that joke was done in the early 80s. Never mind. Okay. What's we got? What we got in here? It's a book. Ah! So I've unwrapped this present, listener, and there's a book inside, and there's some whiskey on the front. It's a book called Proof: The Science of Booze. That's right. (laughs) Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. I'm just going to have a quick look at the back. Lots of lovely um, comments. Um, Oh, and there's a little dedication inside. How Nick, Happy Crimbo, much love, Steve. Here we go. There's a section on fermentation, one on sugar, smell and taste. I will enjoy yeah. reading that. Well, you know, science and booze. What do you think about Advocar in it? Do you know what? We should have a look. I'm not We're sure there's, any, on there's, the prob- Advocar, there's probably an Advocar chapter as far as there's I'm concerned. There's a bibliography, sure. which is very long. Anyway, can't yeah. Find an index. It's quite good. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. R, M, G, C, A. And. No. No. <laughs> Merry Christmas!
right, Nick, I've got another one here. It's a bit lighter than, than the last one. It definitely doesn't feel very bookish. Thank you. Thank book. you, by the way. You're very, you know, the way you unwrap things. Life's too short. It's rabid. What have we got here? Oh, it's something to do with Back to the Future. Oh, it's like, is it a sticker? This Nick's got me something. Here we go. It's like, it feels a bit like a kind of placemat. They're Back to the Future stickers. They're wall decals. Oh, they're wall, the wall decals. decals. Oh, wow. That's actually quite cool. Quite like Do you like that. it? Yeah. They're pretty cool, aren't they? Well, I don't like the clock. Do you know what a decal is? <laughs> what do you use a wall decal? Yeah. I, what well, is it's a, a stick, wall decal? It's a sticker that goes you on the wall. You stick it on your wall. <laughs> yeah. It's a sticker that goes on the wall. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. It smells good. Let me have a sniff. Yeah, go on. It smells like... Of these stickers, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it smell good? Oh, it smells of... Oh, it smells of joy! <laughs> It smells... Ju- I had a Thundercat sticker book that I only just remembered. And I've only remembered it by sniffing this. Yeah. Isn't oh, it good? doing on Thundercat smells. <laughs> Who's your favourite Thundercat? incredible. Who's your favourite Thundercat? There's only one uh, right bro, answer here. That's right. Yeah. That was the best Everyone one. knows that. <laughs> anyway, Steve, you can put them on your laptop or Do you know whatever, what? I love Back to the Future. I think it's one of my most favourite films ever. I, I know think. you do. It's like... it. What made me... It, it's the canonical example of what a scientist is, isn't it? Dr. It is. L. Brown. Do you remember the bit at the beginning when he puts his guitar everything. in and he strums his guitar and the speaker blows <coughs> him backwards? Do you yeah. think that's possible? Um, you, and, oh, I think it's possible, but it would almost certainly kill you. <laughs> I'm sure if you had enough energy to be able to vibrate yeah, uh, at a 50 kilo person across the room. <laughs> um, yeah, do, do you remember there's a bit in that when, uh, when Marty's... Um, uh, he's uh, auditioning to play in the school the school dance, and his yeah. band's called the Pinheads. Yeah, right. And there's three people there that are evaluating him, and he yeah, starts yeah. to play the um, uh, Power of Love. And one of the people who stands up is um, Huey Lewis, right? Oh and yeah. He, Huey Lewis gives him a critique <laughs> of his performance. Can you remember what he said? No. He says, "I'm sorry, you're just too damn loud." <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Love it. Love Brilliant. it. Anyway, Love you it. can stick them on Mate, your that's very kind of you. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Pleasure. Enjoy it. Sniff it to your heart's content. Oh, Steve. So we've got the final the gift final now. Gift. This is a gift for me right. to Steve. This is probably the pièce de la this, résistance. This feels like a T-shirt of some kind to me. Who knows? Could be pants. Could be pants. Could be could a. Be uh, could Do you be... know what? Before I open this, I'm com- as I get older, I'm more convinced that the the perfect apex Christmas present for any man between the age of 24 and 50 is a bottle of wine and a pair of socks. It's probably. perfect because especially I, a nice thick pair of socks. But the thing is. I, Obviously, I buy anything I need, right? So at Christmas, there's no point doing anything other than socks and a bottle of wine. It's perfect. Anyway, thank you for this for this present, for which I'm about to receive. Oh, it looks like a t-shirt. It looks like a t-shirt. What is it? It's got an element on it. It says Rush. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a t-shirt made up of a series of, uh, of elemental um, uh, abbreviations. Ruthenium, sulfur, and hydrogen. That spell out the immortal lines. Where did you did you make this, or did you buy this? Is this is this available? The internet is a wonderful place, Steve. Is it a combination of like two mass that Venn diagram of people that are interested in elements in in elements and rush? If you like rush, you're highly likely to like a bit of chemistry as well. That's probably true. So Mate, tell me about that, those elements. Tell me about ruthenium. Ruthenium. Steve. Okay, so ruthenium is a really interesting element. It's uh, it's it's at the heart of a lot of uh, uh, catalyst molecules. Um, so the things that the famous uh, Grubbs catalyst, which is used to to polymerize polyethylene, uh, uses a, an element called ruthenium. It's also a lot of um, 
these people that do research into um, uh, photo um, photosynthesis, essentially, is they, they use a lot of ruthenium compounds to try and understand how what are called charge separation, how you can strip an electron off something and move it somewhere else and generate charge from from light. Um, it's uh, it's relatively expensive. I know that ruthenium, yeah. but that's a, that's about the. Well, it's a member of the. Pl- it's a member of the platinum group. Yeah. So it's pretty inert as well. It's used in a lot of electronic type things. Right. As well. So. Um, smells. This doesn't smell as good. It's as not the Back very to the abundant. Future it's decals. pretty rare. Yeah. So you won't find it very easily. Um, a guy. Do you know who discovered it? This is another Christmassy topical story. Oh, who discovered ruthenium? I reckon it's relatively. I Can reckon you think probably about the, the name. Does the name mean anything? Oh, to it's you? Rutherford. Is it Rutherford? No, it's not. That's a good guess, though. There is Rutherfordium. Or I think there yeah. is. Yeah, but that's a, um, that's like a, one of those. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know. So Ruthenia is the Latin word for Russia, and the scientist uh, who discovered it was called Carlernis Claus. Carlernis Claus. Father okay. Claus. Father Claus. He was Cla- Santa Claus. San- Santa discovered Ruthenia. Yeah. Wow. But he was a bit. Um, he, he sounds like a cool person. He was actually a botanist. So he was a biologist first and foremost. Just nailed an element. He's a biologist. When was this? The thirties or something? Uh, this was in the eighteen forties. Oh, it's late. Okay, so, 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 so it's a long time early. ago. Yeah, okay, I didn't know that. Um, but he was. He was became rarer. interested in soils and geology because he was interested in botany and the land that plants live. Yeah. And he just got really into um, isolating different types of uh, noble metals. Yeah. Um, rhodium. Iridium, osmium, and then platinum, um, palladium. But then he discovered ruthenium through these kinds of fiddling around chemically with them. The other thing was he was a bit of an unhealthy guy. Do you know why he was unhealthy? Because he's a botanist. That no. can't be good for anyone's uh, self-esteem. Who's uh, out and about in the open <laughs> steps sampling plants? In the mud, in the <laughs> filth. Um, no, I don't know. Uh, why, why was he not What did unhealthy? chemists often do in the 1800s, do you think? They probably tried, whacked a bit in their mouth. Method of analysis. Just, just yeah. tasted that. So he was... There's, actually, he, that's he, quite common. Even there's been a, rel- there's a book of um, chemical um, analysis, which people use to kind of measure melting points and things. And quite often, up to very recently, one of the... Uh, columns was taste yeah you know people used to just used to dab a bit on their finger yeah. a bit on the tongue a bit like you know when they see the cop dramas in the 80s when they they're evaluating something's coke or not gums. <laughs> exactly you got a tingle just, just a bit of ruthenium chloride or anyway something. he isolated osmium tetroxide that's extremely dangerous he, t- he described its taste as astringent and pepper-like <laughs> in 1845 Jeez. it was poisoned he tried he had to he stop e- working for two weeks i'm not surprised <laughs> But he, he, I think he lived. I mean, he, he lived until he was sixty-eight. Osmium tetroxide so. is like really poisonous. Well, osmium tetroxide, it's like we use it in the lab for staining for yeah. um, electron microscopy because it's got quite a high contrast for electron. Yeah. Um, but you, it's osmium, like it's got os- a skull and crossbones. Os- on it. Osmium is the densest of all elements. Is Elemental it? osmium. It's the heaviest. Anyway, so claws, there you of, go. Yeah, Carl Ernest claws. Ho, ho, ho. Now oh, you'll have to walk oh, around wearing that terrible oh. Rush t-shirt. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Make the Yuletide gay. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles well, will Nick, be mine. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Stephen. That's my father's Christmas voice. Really? Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everybody! So he becomes more southern than your accent. Oh, he's just a kind of a strange accent. <laughs> Merry Christmas, uh, everybody! He's, he's not southern, he's posh, so he could be from anywhere. Oh, it's like the... a weird posh voice, though. Yeah. I can't quite work out what I'm trying to It's do. weird, isn't it, how some posh people are have that kind of received pronunciation accent, but they could be from, like, Edinburgh or something. Yeah.
Exactly. Where are you from? Oh, yeah, so yeah, it could be like Inverness. In Hong Kong, any of the colonists could be speaking like that. <laughs> well, we've come to the end of the Christmas podcast, Nick. Oh, that's really sad, Steve. It was a great one. Thank I'm a bit you so much. Cut on the old Dutch The avocado, yes, delicious. Um, yeah, so we wish all of the listeners of uh, Merry Christmas, all of the, the Shetlings out there. And we hope you have a good one. We hope you have a Merry New Year. And it, we will be back in the new year with the third season of The Science Shed with an extra person in the shed. We're no longer alone. It's like there's a new parliament. So it's going to be like, five it's like years. Steve, Stevie Nicks. Five years of The Science Shed. We're going to make a load of cuts. Yeah. Gonna, nothing's going to... Everything's going to not work anymore. We're going to lie We're going to obliterate repeatedly. the BBC. Exactly. With... The NHS is going down. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's a festive cheer for you. Ladies and gentlemen. So it's been a pleasure having you with us this Christmas. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, and we hope to hear and see you in the new year when we release our new um, uh, yep. season three of The Science and Shed. So. Please, please do let us know what you think, um, if you want more of it or less of it. Um, and we, we will adapt accordingly. They can contact us on Twitter. I am at Steve the Chemist. And I'm at The Evans Lab. Or you can just tweet The Science Shed, which is at The Science Shed. You can. And now you can probably tweet Eleanor, who's I don't know what her, pod, her um, Twitter handle is, because she can help us with it too. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas, everybody! Bye! Hang a shining star upon the highest bar and have yourself a merry little